Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 52, Run Runs Riot. No flag, James to put it on a plate for Lukaku. He scores his first Chelsea goal, he couldn't miss it. To Lukaku, comes to Mount, comes to James, 2-0 Chelsea. He made the first one and he scored the second. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. It's been a long day, but I'm back home. I'm joined by Jack Davies. Jack, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, yeah I'm good. A bit tired, but it's been a long weekend. But topped off with a brilliant result for Chelsea today. So I think we've really uh, set down a marker for hopefully what's to come for a good season. Yeah, no, exactly. Very good win at Arsenal today, which we will be getting into. And returning to the pod, we're joined by Nishal Schwager Patel. Nishal, how are we doing, sir? I'm brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I'm sure everyone is coming off the back of a massive derby win. Brilliant start to the season, but looking forward to getting into the game with you two. Yeah, no, exactly. As always with guests, I give themselves, I get themselves to give them a little plug. And obviously, you know, Nishal is, you know, a journalist. Um, Nishal, where, why don't you, you know, drop your Twitter handle where people can follow you and also point, you know, people in, you know, the direction of your work, because obviously you will have, you know, a piece coming out, obviously, on the game tonight. Uh, or, you know, I'm getting today at some point. Um, so why don't you just tell people where they can find you and where they can find, yeah, all your work. So if you enjoy listening to me today or you've heard me before and you want to follow my work, you can find everything on nishalsblog.com. It's got my articles, videos, podcasts, everything is there. And you can follow me on Twitter at nishal underscore SP. Follow everything I'm doing. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, we'll leave Nishal's links in the description so you guys can check them out he's you know very exciting up up and coming journalist you know I said last year he was very lucky you know while while games were behind closed doors to actually you know get into some games to sort of work on them as a journalist so yeah make sure you, you know drop him a follow right jack london derby arsenal away <laughs> second game of the season lukaku's back lukaku starting lukaku yeah. scoring just tell tell me <laughs> how good it was watching romelu lukaku today in chelsea blue man right yeah just Bish bash bosh, wasn't it, from him. He was pinning everyone, just out-muscling people, left, right, centre, bullying everyone. It really was like men against boys. And I always think of that photo you see when he was like 13 at the uh, 
like a kickoff and some kids like half his size then it literally felt like that today he um yeah just have someone with that presence back I know loads of people liken it to Drogba Costa but it does feel like that and really got someone who will go and score a lot of goals for us this season and um yeah, honestly, I believe he'll be firing us to a big title challenge after that today. Um, I know it's a weak, weak Arsenal team. They're they're pretty pants. Um, but no, I think it's we've got so many exciting things, um, things with this team this season for sure. Yeah, Nish, obviously, you know, you and I are both lucky to be in the ON today. You know, the common you know name chanted was that of Romelu Lukaku I his name honestly must have just been sung like solid pretty much after you know that first half pretty much the rest of that first half after he'd scored but it kind of felt like you noticed and this is no disrespect to Chelsea have had since Diego Costa but it felt like you were watching a world-class striker at Chelsea which we'd not had for the last four years you saw a striker pinning pinning you know defenders you know his link-up play was superb it was honestly you know it's just one game in, but that's, you know, that was the type of performance you expect when buying Romelu Lukaku, wasn't it? Absolutely. And we saw from Lukaku what we've been missing for four years since Diego Costa. We saw that physicality we've been missing. We saw that holder play that's been missing. We saw a finishing that's been missing. Everything that we've needed in this Chelsea team from a world-class striker, we've got that back in Romelu Lukaku. And yes, we're not going to overreact. We're not going to go straight into it after one game. But if there was a 90 minutes which summed up what Romelu Lukaku does and what he brings to Chelsea, today was the day that showed just how important he is for Chelsea. And it was fantastic to see him back back in Chelsea Blue, having such an influential performance because some people on paper will just see the goal that he scored and say, yep, yeah, great contribution, he did that. But it was so much more than that. Every single time he got the ball, something positive came out of it. Always holding up, keeping the game flowing, releasing and passing to other players. And that's what we've needed and craved so badly. A prolific striker, someone who has a holder player of Giroud, the physicality of Drogba, the finishing of Costa, all rolled into one perfect player who we have on demand right there. So the game against Arsenal was a perfect example of what we can look forward to for the next four or five years and show just exactly what Lukaku brings to Chelsea. Yeah, Jack, you know, the man who was sort of the heart of both goals today, Brees James, just a monster performance. You know, his first start for us, you know, he barely played in the Euros. He came on uh, last week against Palace, you know, and, and to be fair to him, he did look pretty sharp then, but what a performance from the boy. Obviously, you know, finally someone's getting on the end of his brilliant crosses into the box. Yeah. And that finish, man, that finish, which I will also say, and Mason, you know, get your clacks and ready, Mason Mount open play assist. Um, <laughs> but Reese James, you know, that brilliant assist, brilliant goal, just a brilliant performance from him all around today, wasn't it? Yeah, no, he was class. I think in some ways we, well, it was the brilliance of our system playing the three back. He got so much space out there. And then, you know, what Reese is all about, powerful, drives with the ball, takes people on. And like you said, Nick, his um, his delivery into the box is, is out of this world. And if, if he's putting crosses in like that all season, Lukaku's probably going to get about 10, over, over 10 goals just from Reese James' crosses. So, uh, long, long may that continue. And then, yeah, for his goal, uh, yeah, su- sublime touch. The first touch is um, what buys him the time because that's what I thought. It's a great pass from Mason. Mason just fizzes it into him. Um, and I know as, as a fullback playing there, if, 
if the ball's been fizzed in like Mason passed it into Reese, if that first touch is perfect, I would never get there. You just don't have enough response time to get there quick enough. And the first touch was brilliant and then he just finished it right into the top bins and um yeah, just just to see the the passion from him rolling away and going and celebrating in front of the uh, in front of the Arsenal fans was great as well. I think that brought back memories of that photo of JT at the bridge when he when he was celebrating similarly against West Ham. So yeah, just to see the passion uh, from him was class. And like we said, another that's another goal made in Cobham. Um, but I'll just actually give a quick quick shout out for the pass from. Um, for the first goal, actually, I forgot to say it. Uh, the pass from Kovacic was yep. was quality there as well. Really broke the line there and and played a huge part in that goal. So yeah, uh, plaudits to him too. Yeah, we will get on to Kovacic because we got question about Kovacic, which I'm looking forward to diving into. You know, Michal, it was a new, you know I want to kind of now quickly go on to the front three. You know, Lukaku, Mount, Havertz. I thought you know they worked really really well and. The stats might not, I don't, you know, I haven't looked at the stats, but the stats might not necessarily paint that as an impressive Kai Havertz performance. But I thought the way he was on the ball, the way he was just drifting in space, the way he just glides with the ball, you know, it's pretty effortless. And just the link-up play with him, just with Mason, you know, and Ronman obviously brings help, also brings all sort of the wing-backs into it. It just looked like, and we'll get into it, Chelsea were, you know, profligate in front of goal again. But it felt that that was, you know, that was an attack that was clicking today. Absolutely. And you say about stats, but maybe the stats didn't read as well for Havertz or as well for Mount. But at the end of the day, we don't have to read football through stats because we saw the performance from the front three today and they were all outstanding. Lukaku will take the plaudits and deservedly so, but Mount was excellent on the wing, got his deserved assist. And even Havertz, who didn't get a goal, didn't get an assist, but he was still influential. Like you said, going in between the lines, you know, really contributing and linking up nicely. With Lukaku, and in fact, Mount and Lukaku had a really nice partnership brewing, which is something I'm looking forward to seeing. And it's the front three that we're excited to see Mount and Havertz supporting Lukaku, and it's one that we can focus and rely on throughout the season. Today was a great example of just how effective they are getting forward, progressing the ball, creating chances, and that's exactly what you need in a Chelsea team. We had two world class creators in Mason Mount and Kai Havertz, but we didn't have that number nine, and it came to a point where we'd have to move Kai Havertz into that number nine role, into that false nine, where he's done brilliantly, don't get me wrong, but you can see he has that freedom as the 10, where he's really creating chances and being the creative player that he is, rather than leading the line. So now we've got that striker in, and we've got our main man in, we're sorted and we're perfect. And in fact, we've got this linking up, not to mention, that's not our exclusive front three, like you've got um, Firmino, Mane, Salah, for Liverpool, we've got Ziyech, Hudson Adoy, Pulisic, Werner, so many choices we can mix and match with. So today was a perfect example of what we can do and show and have a front that you can link up. But what's even better is there's so much more to come and we have so many more combinations to learn about. Yeah, nah, exactly, exactly. It was just a really good win. It was just a really good, you know, solid team performance. It kind of felt like one where, you know, Obviously, there were some outstanding individuals, but you'd never really felt that anyone was sort of playing at, you know, less than a seven out of 10. You know, it just felt like it was just an all round solid performance. You know, Alonso at wing back, he was working hard. He was, you know, he put his body in line. He was really good again today. He's had a really strong start to the season, which is good. You know, we can eat means we can ease Ben Chilwell in that bit more slowly and give, get him, you know, right up to speed. You know, as P, you know, 
was solid-ish, you know, maybe a couple scary moments, but I thought on the whole, his reading the game was excellent. Rudiger, immense, you know, cutting out dangerous balls. Christensen just continues to excel in the middle centre-back role. And, you know, I don't think we should be worrying, you know, or trying to worry about getting, you know, Thiago Silva back in that team anytime soon because Christensen is just, just bossing at the moment. And again, the midfield, which, you know, I think at times there were some, some iffy moments. But on the whole, I felt that that midfield controlled the game, Jack. You know, Jorginho... I mean, he's a man of 2021. I'm kind of running out of ways to praise the guy. Like, it's, he is just, you know, we, you know, you wouldn't have got me saying that sort of, of what, six, seven months ago, but he was, you know, I thought he was brilliant again today. And Kovacic, you know, he can be frustrating. You know, I was very critical of him. He's sort of in the Super Cup against Palace. He was good. And today, you know, well, maybe we'll get into his, maybe his defensive side because there were questions on that. But you just look at it, as you mentioned on the tagging point, his goal, you look at him, that first goal, he plays two key passes. There's two passes from him in that move that end up leading to that goal. That's him getting involved in our attacks. Again, you know, yeah. brilliant, just, you know, getting out with the ball, dribbling with it. It just felt, you know, a really complete performance. And again, our midfield, you know, it kind of just feels like a massive flex when we just bring in Golo Kante on about 20 minutes to go. <laughs> just right, we're just going to shore up the shop, you know, shore up ship now. And, you know, Kante again was just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the options we've got off the bench is just, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? That bench would be Arsenal's starting eleven. Um, that's just the difference in class at the moment between the two teams. Uh, but yeah, no, like you said, the midfield were, were class on the ball, just completely dominated it. We played Arsenal off the park, I think. Second half, we took our foot off the gas a bit, but still completely under control. No worries at all, really. Um yeah, defensively, I think it just it just sort of goes back to that uh, kind of point where we those two kind of lack a bit of mobility um, and lack a bit of legs. So sometimes we can get caught out there, and maybe that's why a lot of people think that that that's where we need to strengthen. That's probably where we need another body in in midfield yeah. because, like we've seen, can take and get injured, etc. Um, so if he's out for a sustained uh, period of time I don't think we can rely on those two boys to play 90 minutes every single week um, but what I would say with the the like questions over Kovacic defensively I'd say he he played the 120 minutes in the Super Cup he played 90 minutes against Palace he's played a significant portion of that game today as well so maybe maybe the fitness of that is catching up a little bit on his legs um, so yeah, maybe maybe some rotation in there. I'm sure Kante will probably come back in against Liverpool if he's if he's fully fit, which he must be because he came on for the last 20, 30 minutes today. But yeah, we we're we're looking good in 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 that midfield with those three. Just think we could potentially have uh, room for one more body. Yeah, yeah. Interesting fact: none of the following players started for Chelsea's A. That was Ingolo Kante, Thiago Silva, Christian Pulisic. Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, Trevor Chalobah, Ben Chilwell, Callum Hudson-Doy, Kurt Zuma. I mean, you know, Trevor Chalobah, we were, you know, praising him madly last week. And then, you know, he doesn't feature today. You know, the, the options there are scary, you know, and I think also for the is just the start of the season and this Chelsea team will get better. Like, we just will get better. So, no, I think it is is very, very exciting. Uh, I'm going to move on to questions. Um, first question comes in from good friend of the show, RJ he goes, my question for you guys, based on what you've seen in our first two games, what are the key themes you've observed? Do we look better, worse, or about the same as last season? Uh, Nishar, I'll give this one to you first. It's interesting because I don't know if we can tell straight away from three games. And it have been three very different games. We had two hours 
where we didn't have a fully fit squad against Villarreal, but we still won. We had Crystal Palace where we were dominant and looked really good. And we had Arsenal where we were just fantastic. And we can see these patterns come in a bit more. I think the Arsenal game is the main one you'd want to look at in terms of being more confident in the final third, having that striker, because otherwise you'd maybe see that we would go more out wide or we wouldn't be as confident going through the middle and going forward because we didn't have that prolific striker. Whereas now we can attack and we can move forward with the confidence that Romelu Lukaku is in the middle, ready to attack. So having that confidence in attack and being more organised. Something else I'd say is more defensive options. Last year, we did seem a bit thin defensively when Thiago Silva was coming back from international duty, when Antonio Rudiger was out of form, when Andreas Christensen wasn't in form. We looked a bit thin and struggling with defensive options. But this season, you know, you had Thiago Silva on the bench, you had Trevor Jalabon on the bench, two players who've been excellent and can come in and strengthen that defence. But we still did excellently and we still kept a clean sheet. So defensive depth, is something I've really noticed, having more confidence in attack. But really, it will take more time to really see what is different and what's changed from last season. Because at the end of the day, we're three games into a new season where some players have only just come back from extended break from the Euros. Some players are coming into a new squad. So it will take time to really see, but I can definitely see those differences at the back and up front so far. Yeah, no, look, RJ... I think, again, it is tough to say, but I think in the two games I've seen, and again, I also think, I think a lot, obviously, your experience your experience changes quite a lot because last year we were watching games on TV and now actually being back in the ground, you do notice different things. You notice perhaps things you don't always pick up on TV. I look at this Chelsea side and I look at the, sort of the two two games I've been at, just personally, obviously, I wasn't at Villarreal Super Cup, but at being at Palace, being at the Emirates, I see a team that, you know, looks really good, looks really well organised, looks, you know, brilliant going forward. But it also feels like there's still a lot to come. I still feel there's still a bit of rustiness. There's still a bit, and there's still a bit of times where I keep thinking like, one of the things today, but I don't know how many countless times we've gone dangerous positions in Arsenal box and players get passing and passing and passing instead of actually taking the shot on. I think, you know, we there were goals left out there today. And I do think perhaps for the profit, yeah, the profligacy or whatever in front of goal, you know, is maybe still slightly there from last year. But then you also look at it, that first half, we had two chances. Well, our first two attacks pretty much at Arsenal and we scored two goals and we killed the game. So I think that's something we're seeing, sort of seeing from this Chelsea team this year. But we are, I think, killing games. In the two league games we've had, we've killed them off early, which is encouraging. Under two kind of last year a lot, there weren't big or comprehensive wins. There weren't many games where we felt like we killed off early but to, you know these the two league games so it feels like we've killed off early so I do think that we are we're observing improvement for sure you know I don't want to you know go crazy because it is only two games in but the signs I do think are are pretty pretty encouraging um Jack I'll throw this one to you it comes in from Connacht do you think the Champions League win and belief in Tuchel have lifted this squad's confidence so much that we go into games with a favorite approach it certainly looks like it yeah 100 percent. honestly that would have been my point to that question we, that you and Nishal just answered and just say that the confidence and the morale in the squad at the moment just seems like it's sky high pretty much at the optimum point that it can be. Um, and yeah, people said, oh, it's only the Super Cup and stuff, but I think you can't underestimate how much the that trophy pre-season, that trophy, getting that under our belt straight away really gives a boost to the team. So yeah, fully, I, I think yeah, definitely given given those boys a huge boost and 
we're, we're the European champions. We've won the Super Cup. We're, we're going into games knowing what a good team we are. And like you boys have both just said, this is only the start. We're getting better and better. We've brought in a top-class striker. We're defensively really resolute and sound like we were to the back end of last season. And if you've got a, a defence that's not leaking goals and you've got someone of the class of Lukaku up front with Havertz and Mount off them, we're, <laughs> we're in business for this season. Yeah, and it, they're, they're very, I do think there's sort of is, there is a confidence on the pitch. Firstly, also, you know, I think a lot of these players just get on really well, which just helps in just general. Like, they seem to just be really good mates with each other. But there seems to just sort of be a swagger and a confidence about them, you know. I mean, you know, Reese James just embracing, you know, all the Arsenal fans' vitriol towards him when he's scoring, you know. And you kind of see, you know, just like just smart things like, you know, when we're giving free kicks away and we're just like, you know, kicking the ball away or just, you know, holding on to it and just winding up the Arsenal player. There seems to be, you know, this team I do sort of feel are starting to learn some of the dark arts. But also just seems like the support base, you know, and it's just been two games in. I know you can argue, oh, you know, we've just coming back from COVID. So people are just really enjoying Lindman. But there feels a swagger just among like the fans in the ground. There just still feels a confidence and an arrogance in this team. You know, Arsenal, you know, the Chelsea end today were just ta taunting Arsenal from like minute one, pretty much. You know, you're going down, you know, get your game relegated. <laughs> Mikel Arteta, we want you to stay. These, you know, these are the type of things, you know, these, you know, last heard like Arsene Wenger, we want you to stay. It all feels like, there is there is just a renewed swagger and confidence, not only among the players, but among the fans as well. Obviously, you know, there were nerves going into this game today because it's Arsenal and we've had a poor record against them. But I think a lot of people were saying if we turn up, they were very confident we'd win. And, you know, we did turn up and we were very, very confident. And there was never there was never really any point in that game today where I was particularly nervous. I just my only fear was we'd just give away, do something stupid and give a soft goal and cause ourselves unnecessary pressure. But I never feared Arsenal. Like a penalty. Pardon? Like a penalty. Yeah, exactly. That should have been a penalty. There was just, you know, there was no, there was just no fear, really. It, it does feel, you know, again, it's only two games, but it just shows what being European champions does to you. There is just that renewed confidence and that renewed swagger. You know, Nishal and I, we were actually at Holloway Road, and we, you know, an Arsenal fan got talking to us and he said, you know, I think you guys could win the Champions League again. And, you know, you know our opposition fans are like rating us very highly as well. So, no, I do think there is definitely a confidence and we do go in as favourites, you know, which is exciting because, you know, we, we're starting to, you know, put in performances that we should be doing more consistently. But again, I will stress it is only a few games in to the season. Harry goes, hey, Nishal Jacknick, please could you discuss the most difficult problems that you think this team will face at Anfield? Nishal, this is, you know, the first big test I'd say this Chelsea team faced. You know, no disrespect to Palace or Arsenal, but Liverpool are a clear clear league above really what do you think is sort of the most difficult problems that this team will face because obviously we went to Anfield last year and we played superb but mm. there were no fans Liverpool were sort of in an injury crisis and we just you know in a horrible run of form as well so that did aid us and we were sort of right sort of riding the Thomas Tuchel like wave so what do you what do you think is sort of the most difficult problems that this team will face at Anfield it's hard to say because there's so few negatives we can pick out from the last few games but something which I did notice that particularly was that near the end of the game, we could have scored more and we didn't kill the game off as we could because we were in control of the game, don't get me wrong. We were coasting comfortably to a win, don't get me wrong. But we could have easily let Arsenal back into the game. I just mentioned the penalty, that wasn't a penalty. Clear cut, right in front of me, that should have been a penalty. Arsenal had one or two half chances. But if it happens with Liverpool, whether we're 2-0 up or whether it's 0-0, if it happens with Liverpool, we're much more at risk. 
you know, giving them a chance. And if we've not killed off the game, Liverpool are strong enough, they're determined enough, and they will fight hard enough to take advantage of our lack of cutting edge or, you know, killing instinct in that game to get back into it and possibly take something from us. So that's what I'd want to focus on, making sure we see out the performance and the high intensity throughout the whole game. Because, of course, it's really hard to do. Playing high intensity, gig and in total football for whole 90 minutes is not easy. And we saw that for about 65, 70 minutes today, not to say that after that, Chelsea were bad, but there was definitely a drop in tempo and more of an invitation to Arsenal. If we do that against Liverpool, it will be tougher. And Liverpool will capitalise, not only being at home, but they're a stronger team with stronger players, with better form. So I'd want to see us kill the game off sooner, but also be much smarter in how we control the game from then on. We're not letting Liverpool back into the game, not giving them a chance, not allowing them to score. Because if they do that and the tide of the game turns, win problem. And that can come back and bite us and haunt us later on in the season. Yeah, no, fair enough. Look, Liverpool will be a test. They always are good at Anfield. Again, they've only, you know, it's, it is only two games in, but they've looked, you know, relatively, you know, pretty good in their two games so far as well. So, like, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It is always a tough game at Anfield. You know, I always kind of think, you know, it's always good if you go to Anfield and you can get a point. You know, it is kind of old, old fact. It, feels, it does feel a bit old-fashioned like that. And obviously, we did go there last year and win in last year. felt like a really good opportunity to win. But I just think, you know, we've got a, we've had a tough, we, you've got, got a tough start to the season, but we started off really well. So I think just, you know, look, the one, the confidence I do have is that with Tuchel, I don't fear this team really blip being blown away. I do think there is a, you know, a, 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 a calmness and a measure of control in this team. You know, bar, bar one sending off against West Brom and us capitulating last year, I don't think there really tends to be a huge amount of, of self-destruction Perhaps, you know, and I know obviously we've not faced, you know, a real setback this year. And obviously I know we maybe did, you know, self-destruct a bit against Aston Villa on the final day of last season. But I think they're just, you know, the, the Champions League winner said we've well, done huge for this group. There is, I do just sense there's like a real maturity in this group. You know, a game management does seem to be improving again today against Arsenal. You know, as Michelle said, we, you know, we could have killed that game off. And there were at times I did sort of slight thing, is the tide of the game turning ever so slightly, you know, with Arsenal but we managed it. And I do think the game management of this team, the confidence in this team, look, it's going to be tough at Anfield, no doubt. But, you know, we won today. If we if we not won today, it would have, I've certainly been a lot more worried going into it, going into next week. But we go into it, you know, joint top of the table. So, yeah, we, we can be confident. But obviously, we've got to be very wary of, of the quality Liverpool do have because they do have quality. Um, Jack, next question comes in for Tom Cody. Kovacic, discuss away, please. Not to be harsh, but defensively, he just doesn't seem to work at all. Still, now I saw this saw this tweet and I was and I was um, on my on my way home, and I'll be honest. And people will know I'm not the biggest Mateo Kovacic fan. I do I do find him incredibly frustrating. But as we kind of mentioned, I couldn't really fault him today. Again, obviously, I know I don't know maybe you've got a different view, but I didn't necessarily see Kovacic. I didn't necessarily feel Kovacic was suspect defensively. I you know I just think you know at times maybe in maybe transition times maybe we, we struggled a tiny bit but I didn't necessarily wouldn't you know put, put that on on Kovacic per se and look he you know he got stuck in he worked hard and I think yeah I don't know maybe I, I don't quite see the the questions on him for this game particularly obviously I can be I've been very questioned about Kovacic's 
defensive, you know, ability and the fact that he often loses runners. But I thought today was a good performance from him. Yeah, no, to be to be honest, from from what I saw on the TV, I didn't think he really put too many feet wrong at all either. Um, like we said, yeah, maybe we did get caught out a couple of times, but I'd more say that's between the both of them rather than all on Kovacic or all, all on Jorginho. Um, and to be honest, I'd probably bring it back to the point I said earlier where it's early on in the season, he's played a lot of minutes already. Um, so I'd just put it down to fatigue if there was a couple of instances where he's got caught out slightly. But um, to be honest, for, for him today, it was a top performance. And what we've screamed out from Kovacic for a long, long time is his ability going forward. He needs to improve. He needs to make assists, make these these four passes, more progressive passes. And from what I saw against Arsenal today, he was he was doing that that and so much more than what we've seen in in the past um so many passes into Lukaku for example and then Lukaku holding the ball up and bringing other players into into play or just getting everyone up the pitch etc those kind of things and then obviously the pass for the for Lukaku's goal over the top to Reese was was top notch as well um so and then like last week he got the assist. I know it was all Trevor really, but still got the assist for Trevor's goal last week. So it's something he's improving on, and um, he's just got to keep keep doing that because we have seen with him. He's been our player of the season. He he can do it, and he is a quality player. He just needs to needs to keep the consistency with like it's like a lot of the players in our team really. When you when you get to the top, you need to keep keep that consistency. Fair enough. Well, Abhishek kind of had similar issues. Do you, uh, I'll give this to Nishal. Do you also think we were a bit defensively shaky in the middle? It, it did feel at times, uh, you know, we, we maybe control was slightly slipping, but you also just have to give credit to, despite whatever we think of Arsenal, but they do have some good players in their side. They do have players that can cause you problems. And that ultimately, while we maybe were a bit shaky in the middle defensively, that ultimately we still managed to get out, get away with it fairly well because we defended well. Yeah, absolutely. We still defended well. We still got a clean sheet. And at the end of the day, we got the result which we needed. And I understand criticism because especially with a performance like this, you have to look at a really fine criticisms of what went wrong and what can we improve on to really fine tune this performance. And yeah, sometimes we did look a bit shaky in midfield, whether that was an imbalance or the absence of Conte. I'm not sure. I think definitely Conte coming on, like we were saying earlier, Conte coming on really shored up the midfield. And he gave us that extra boost in midfield as Kovacic starts to tire out a bit. But neither of the midfielders really played badly. They both did their job. Jorginho was solid in midfield, really covering well. Kovacic was looking himself, driving forward. And even I noticed occasionally that Jorginho would push forward a bit more and Kovacic would sit deep on the base of the centre-backs to help start the transition. So there's not much to criticise from the midfielders. But I can admit, you know, sometimes Arsenal did look threatening on the attack and that can come down to the midfield not being as strong. You know, you always see the absence of N'Golo Conte, and especially then when you've got Arsenal coming forward on the attack, coming for us. And you saw that today. But at the end of the day, Jovicic can still defend well. They can still hold the line and, you know, cover the defence. And he did a good job at the end of the day. So while we can say, yeah, maybe they didn't look perfectly defense, perfectly in defence 99% of the game, they still did their job. They still got the clean sheet. And at the end of the day, if we're missing N'Golo Conte further down the line, 
we have to go through this midfield, no one should be worried because they still put in a very, very good performance and a deservedly so getting the win for it. Yeah, no, look, exactly. Jovicic, we, we all know N'Golo Kante probably does make our first choice midfield when fit. So we do know when you don't have a player like him in your midfield, you are obviously going to be a little bit weaker. We do know that Jovicic can at times be sort of very Jekyll and Hyde. But they've started the season well, both of them, in the Premier League anyway. So, like, you get, you know, this was a, again, it's two games into the Premier League season. You're not going to get perfect performances. And, you know, I feel like the two performances we've had, there's obviously been room for improvement, which is encouraging. And I wouldn't be too worried about maybe looking a bit shaky in midfield. You know, if we were going into Liverpool next week without N'Golo Kante, I would maybe read him, be a bit more worried and read into it a bit more. But we've got Kante back. So, and you'd imagine he would start with Jorginho next week. So I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be too worried about, you know, looking a bit shaky in the midfield. Uh, next question, Dan Hill, on a serious note, how transformative do you think Lukaku can be in an attacking sense, thinking of players like Kai, Mace, Reese and co? I mean, we kind of did sort of touch upon it earlier, but you just notice the impact of watching a world-class striker for Chelsea. Like, it's things you, you know, we, you kind of almost like forgotten, you know, but he's capable of like just rolling defenders, like, he bullied Mari, man. He bullied Pablo Mari. He bullied, you know, that Arsenal defence, you know, Ben White, you know, he was lucky to miss that game. So, it, it, Jack, you know, what difference, um, yeah, well, how transformative can Lukaku be? Well, it's just a nightmare for any defender to play against because, you you know, you can either come short and just, like you said, bully you and hold the ball up or he's that good that he can take first touch and spin you and then he's 10 metres down further down the pitch than you and you're chasing him so the it's the unpredictability for the centre-backs that he's coming up against that's what's gonna make him so good this season for us and then yeah bringing the players into into play today you've seen it just the one touches like Mason playing it into him like Nishal alluded to earlier was similar like with Giroud just one touch hits it off I know Mason dragged the shot but still it's those kind of signs of encouragement that they're starting to get to know each other's game better etc there was the one with Kai as well where he sort of cut in towards his left and looked like he was gonna hit it and then just reverse past it to Kai and Kai should have scored that I thought that was poor from him um, but that's just our us not being clinical in front of goal like we said as well so I mean, it it was just for him. It was the the best debut he could have, and and just so exciting for us. I I can't I can't wait to see him next week at, at Anfield, and for him him coming up against Virgil Van Dijk is going to be a proper treat as well because he's he's coming up against the best of the best. So we'll have to see who can come out on top. Yeah, uh, follow up, Bridge Sim to this from Patrick Larson. Uh, what is the biggest difference you see with Lukaku on this side from when we didn't have a number nine like him? Nishal, I'll give this one to you. Where do we start? We have someone who can finish. We have someone who can hold up a ball. We have somebody who can get involved in the attacks. We have someone who looks confident on the last line. So many boxes have been ticked with Lukaku. Simple as that. I think one that really stands out to me is a really hard-working striker. And that's not to say that our previous strikers haven't been hard-working, haven't been fighting like that. But a striker who really gets involved in the game, tracking back, you know, you saw him go in defensive positions sometimes, seeing him in a hold-up play, you know, dropping onto the halfway line, linking up with Mount, linking up with Havertz, really being involved with the game all around the pitch. 
And then when it comes to the 18-yard box and comes to the final third, he's still working hard. He's chasing every ball. He's putting pressure on the defenders. He's watching the space and looking where to cover and what to do. And just everything we've been missing in a striker, because I have a real pet peeve where with strikers, you do nothing other than just, you know, when they're in the box video, they're finishing. Morata was a prime example. As soon as the ball would go away, he just stands still and start walking. And I've really grinded my gears because, of course, the striker's not going to be bombing up and down the pitch like Mount, but there's someone that should still be working because you can do a lot of work in that final third on the edge of a defence. And Lukaku did that perfectly against Arsenal, really working hard, playing defensively as well as offensively, and the holder play, which is going to be vital for Chelsea because we've got so many attacking options and so much potential for link-up and combinations and all sorts. And Lukaku can be involved in that and really boost that. So a whole list of things that Lukaku brings to his team, but especially his holder play, and just being more active with the game as a whole rather than sitting in a box waiting for the ball to come to him and tapping it into the net. Yeah, it was nice to have a striker who stayed on side as well. Um, yeah, it he, he was nice. He, he was very good that today. But also, you just notice, again, he's an outlet for the defenders. You know, there were times of Chelsea were sort of pinged into a corner. You just find Alonso would just ping one, and there's Lukaku. He can just hold it up, and you can just play it off to someone. And then where we are, we're on the attack again. It's just... it. it it's weird because... I, I, you know, I was a big defender of Tammy Abraham. I do rate the kid very highly. I do think he has a big future. But what it was, I was like a kid at Christmas almost watching us with Lukaku today. I was like, oh my God, this is, I've not seen this since Costa. This is what it's like having a world class number nine. It's, you just notice, you just notice the, just the difference in this team, man. Cause before we didn't have a natural number nine and Kai, Kai is, you know, did, did a job and he did it well. You just notice with Lukaku, you're just confident. Like the amount of balls we just fizzed into him and he just trapped under control. He brought other players in. It was just real, real dominance. And that's not what I can't, you know, and again, you know, it's Arsenal, but it was just a really dominant performance from a really world-class striker. And that's that's the difference. You've got a world-class striker in this team. It's, yeah, it is just as simple as that. We've got one of the world's best in our team and you notice it. And it's just a joy to watch. And, Look, his as I said, his name was sung probably more than any other Chelsea player today, which is beautiful, you know, just from the narrative of him returning home to get all that love from the Chelsea fans was beautiful. But he is he is so loved already. He will be so loved by fans who get to watch him week in and week out because he's a world-class striker and he will score goals for Chelsea. So now nah, it is it is really, really um exciting. <laughs> Question comes in from Britt. She goes, do you think at any time we could deploy a different formation and still be successful or perhaps even more successful? Um, you know, Nisha, obviously we do have a lot of attacking talent. <laughs> it's to see, you know, we kind of mentioned earlier the names, but, you know, I, I listed off sort of weren't involved or didn't start. Um, but we also know that the free of the back is very, very solid. And we've seen, you know, perhaps the ease at times we, you know, have against other teams and the, the control we have. So, do you think at any time we could maybe see a different formation still be successful or, or you know, maybe, or would you maybe yeah, leave that for maybe a cup game or something, you know? 
I think we can, absolutely. Tuchel is a very versatile manager. We've seen this across his managerial career at Mainz, at Dortmund, at PSG. The fact that he likes to go between formations and um, different tactics. If we go back to the Barnsley Cup game all the way back in February, I believe, we saw Tuchel go from a 3-4-3 to a 4-3-3 for a 4-2-3-1. Three different formations in one game, showing that he is versatile. He is willing to change and be flexible. And of course, there's nothing to change right now. We're doing brilliantly with a back three. It's got us Champions League. It's got us Super Cup. And it's got us to be title challengers again. There's no need to change it. But at the end of the day, we're going to switch from back three eventually. Look at Conte. Conte persisted with his back three for far longer than he should have. And it came right in his second season. He stayed with that formation, but it was too late because other teams had worked it out. Now, Tuchel will have to do that eventually. And what we, we have a better advantage with Tuchel over Conte is two things. One, he got better um, investment, better sign-ins, better improvement of the squad and better management of the squad. And two, Tuchel is more versatile and he's more flexible with the squad. So he, like I said, he's changed between formations out of previous teams and he will do that at Chelsea again. And I'm happy to see that. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. So we do have a potential to switch between formations, not to mention we have such a deep squad that we have all the players and the personnel to deal with a back four as well as we do with a back three. Look at Athbliqueta, plays so well as a right centre-back and then we can have Rhys James Slippin as a right-back. Ben Chilwell may not be the best um, wing-back in comparison to Marcus Alonso, but in a back four, he'll excel more as a left-back. So we've got these options and we've got the potential to be able to switch up, be flexible and be fluid between different formations. We will, we will see this eventually, whether we experiment in the Carabao Cup, whether we see this next season or later on in the season, if, you know, God forbid, we have a blip in a season, but we have the potential and that's the important thing because for teams who can execute one game plan perfectly, brilliant, but there comes a time where it gets wear, worn down, it gets figured out by other teams and it's not useful anymore. See, Spain's tiki-taka, that worked perfectly for four years and then teams suddenly worked out how to combat it. So as long as Chelsea stay flexible and they know they have the potential to be able to switch with players, with personnel, with management, we will be fine. Yeah, fair enough. Jack, next question comes in from Daz. What does this dominant performance by Lukaku mean for the likes of Timo? Obviously, we saw Timo on the bench today, um, and we know that Lukaku is more than likely going to be starting, you know, you'd say about 90% of Chelsea's games this season because we've bought a world-class striker. What does it... What does it mean for the likes of Timo? Because, you know, we, we're desperate for Timo Werner to succeed. And you'd think now that playing off Lukaku should help him. You know, he's playing off a, 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 a big dominant striker like he did at Leipzig. Um, yeah. You know, should it, what does it mean for him? Because obviously, you know, it's just one of those fees where we've got, we're, we're going to play a lot of games. A lot of it's probably going to be opponent dependent as well. But, you know, Timo against Palace, he tried and he worked hard, but he was also still incredibly frustrating in his one previous outing. Yeah. Obviously, that wasn't with Lukaku, but what do you sort of think, you know, this, you know, that dominant performance by Lukaku means for someone like Timo? Well, for, for me personally, if we're playing the front three, I think Lukaku and Mount are the two that are going to start pretty much all the games. And it's that third spot that's going to be up for grabs. Um, and based on pre-season and things, Havertz has looked sharp finished the season well, scored the winner in the Champions League, so can't get much better than that. Um, so personally for me, that would probably, that would be the front three that I'd select at the moment for sure. I was really excited when I saw the team today and it was those three. Um, but for Timo, you just got to keep working hard on the training ground and 
when he does get given an opportunity, that's when he's got he's just got to, he's got to try and grab it with both with both hands and take it. Um because there will be there will be chances for him. Uh and like we said with with Tuchel, like he you saw today at points it was Havertz and and Lukaku up top in playing in a two and then and then in a three. And then when Werner came on there there was a two at one point. So um it's flexible in in that respect. So it's just whether he whether he gets the opportunity, I think. I think he he can he can make a real impact with Lukaku, like you said, Nick, with running in behind, etc. Um but yeah, at the end of the day it's just it's down to Timo Werner. He's the one that's got to, got to pull it out of the bag. Um and he's got he's got to do it soon. Otherwise he'll um his career at Chelsea will sort of be sort of be almost like down look because we there was so much hype when he first when he first joined for us and we really thought we were we were in the money with him. So yeah, I it like, it is just frustrating talking about Timo Werner, isn't it? it um, but yeah, I, I I'd love to for him to succeed at Chelsea. He just needs to keep keep at it. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, Timo's name sung by sung you know loud and proud by yeah. by the away fans say when he come on. So look, he is he is well loved by the fans. But yeah, it's just one of those. He's just got it. It's simple. Players have just got up their levels and up their performances. You know, Lukaku's come in and he's laid down a marker already. You know, Kai Havertz and Mesa Mount, in the, you know, and laying down markers at the moment. Pulisic, you know, laid down a marker last week against Palace and unfortunately then missed, to, you know, the game day with COVID. You know, now it's time for Werner, where if he gets a chance, he needs to take it and lay down a marker because these players are competing with each other. There are loads of games where they need, they should, they will get opportunities. But it's up to Timo to play really well and put in a performance that gets him playing more games than he perhaps otherwise would do. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can argue he team of them doesn't get into Chelsea's, you know, first choice front three, which is where I'm going to move on to with this next question, which comes in from Shyam. He goes, it's obvious we have a wide range of attacking talent, but do you guys think we should pick our best three and move forward? Or would you change them based on the opposition? Um, Nishal, you know, pick your best three or is it very much opposition dependent for you? It's opposition dependent and it's also time dependent. We're going to have times where Ziyech will be away with AFCON and we'll have to use Pulisic sparingly because he's injury prone. We'll have to use Harrods sparingly because of whatever happens then. And I'm happy to switch and go between because the thing is with Chelsea, we don't have a definitive best front three. Right now, we'll say Mount Lukaku Havertz, but fast forward or go back 12 months, we were saying Pulisic Werner Ziyech. Things change, circumstances change, and whether that's the players' best positions, form, illnesses, injury, so much can change. And you look at Liverpool, again, I'll go back to them because they're a really good example. Mane, Firmino, Salo, fantastic front three, three excellent players. But as soon as one of them dropped out, it wasn't necessarily the same. And Liverpool didn't look as threatening. They fixed that now with Diogo Jota coming in. But back in, in the past, they struggled more trying to replace one of them. Whereas with Chelsea, there's not going to be a reliance on Mason Mount. There won't be a reliance on Romelu Lukaku. There won't be a reliance on Hakim Ziyech because we have these options and we've had these players who we can mix and match for certain games. Maybe we're playing a low-block team and we need Callum Hudson-Odoi to break the lines. Maybe we're playing a team where we want to get more balls into the box, so we'll start Mason Mount. Maybe we're playing a team who've got tough defenders, so we put Lukaku up front, or someone who have weaker defenders, so you put Timo Bern up top. It's going to vary throughout the season, and let's not forget, it's a very, very long season with all these competitions we're in and with a lot of games to play, so we don't need to settle on one front three. 
And the same goes with a back three, a midfield pivot, wing max, because we have good enough squad depth where sure we can have our first choice 11 and our second choice 11, but we have room to maneuver. We have space to switch, choose the players accordingly and go with what fits on the day with the opposition, with the team we have at our disposal. Yeah, no, nah, exactly. It's, it's opposition dependent for me. You know, they say we saw it work well today. There will be occasions. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if we've got Liverpool next week. It wouldn't surprise me if Team Everner starts next week. It really wouldn't surprise me. We saw him have success at Anfield last season. Obviously, you know, he didn't score, but we saw him play really well last um, there last season. We saw, you know, Hakim Ziyech, you know, have a fairly solid game there. So it, it's interesting. It, for me, it is very much op- opponent dependent. You've got to, you know, players, you know, for example, I'm, I will tear my hair out if I have to see Timo Werner against a low block side because, it, you know, what are, what are we going to gain from that? So I do think you've, you've very much got to pick, you know, your best players, you know, opponent dependent, but obviously... Romelu Lukaku is probably the one constant you would say for the majority of that time in front three. He will play pretty much regardless of opponent, I would say. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I definitely think you know you you choose it opponent wise. Uh, final question uh, comes in from David Branch. David is a legend. I had the privilege of finally meeting up with him last week uh, for Palace Games. He's a top guy on Twitter. Make sure you check him out. Um, he says, right, it's all positive. So I'm more to ask your feelings on a player not involved, specifically Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think he's third choice in my book, a right wing back, and he's third, maybe fourth on the left in the dual tens. Is he going to get enough minutes this season? Before I go to you boys, I will just state my thoughts on Callum Hudson-Odoi. I like the boy a lot. I think he's clearly very talented. But I'm still waiting to see the hype that a lot of people have given him. Albeit, I don't think he's necessarily been afforded the same chance as others have. And that is maybe something we'll get onto in this question. But I do, you know, part part, is he going to get us nine minutes this season? I do worry about that, David. I won't lie because I look at a lot of the, I look at these Chelsea players we have in our team. Mason Mount went on loan. Reese James went on loan. Billy Gilmore's on loan right now at Norwich. You know, Trevor Chalab has been on loan. You know, there's probably someone else I'm missing. But Chelsea Academy boys who have made it at Chelsea have had loans before and Callum hasn't had a loan yet. And I just wonder how long can we keep getting game by with him going, okay, you play, you know, a lot less minutes than, you know, your talent, you know, deserves type thing. Because I just think that he's not, he's, he's because of how talented he is and the hype around him. And there was so much clamor when he broke onto the scene to get given opportunities. And he did, you know, he got given him and then he got injured and then he's trying to rebuild him. I just feel that with Hudson Odoi, we've kind of, I do feel we have sort of messed up his development a bit. And I don't think that's, I don't necessarily want to say people should be held accountable because it's not easy. To, I don't think it's easy to manage a player's development. I don't think when you're managing a precocious talent like him, it's that easy because we also have a lot of attacking talent at our disposal. But yeah, it's, it is a frustrating one for me. I don't think he's going to probably get the minutes, you know, a player of his talent should get. But he's also a very talented player in a list of very, 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 very talented players in his position as well. But um, Jack, I'll throw that to you. Yeah, well, I think, well, it's, I guess it's down to two short at the end of the day. We need to work out what his best position is. I know he can play in one of those front three or he can play right wing back. But I think it makes him versatile. But I think he needs to work out which one he's best at because... They're completely different, completely different things. Um, and I personally can't see him getting many minutes at all, really. Um, 
just based on the other players that we've got in those positions. Um, Reese can go into a right centre back role and as P play right wing back, he's going to trust like today. Trevor was unbelievable last week and you can see this happening with Callum. You probably come in, have a good performance, but like with Trevor, uh, we're playing a big play, playing a big London derby and he's gone with experience and he's gone with Aspi. Um, so, and I will say that call I, I did just, pay off. I will say yeah. that call did very much pay oh, off. Yeah, no, of course, say. We'll obviously Reese James, you know, coming in for Trevor and Reese having a brilliant game. But I obviously I know the point you're making here. Yeah, yeah. I I just can't see him getting a sustained amount of games in this team. And at his age, he needs to be playing ninety minutes week in week out, building building that experience level. So like you like you said said Nick, it 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 could be best for him to to go out on loan potentially because um, yeah I, I, I'm struggling to see where he's where he's going to be getting these minutes um, and it'll be in those in those dossier early early round league cup games where we're playing like Grimsby and teams like this which are just completely out of the boys league he's so much better than that um, yeah I don't know I'm struggling it's just it's a bit of a difficult one really yeah, Nishar, I'll get your thoughts on that because obviously it, it is it is a tough one with Callum Hudson. We have got a lot of attacking time, but obviously he did start the Super Cup at wing back and was not great. But again, you can you know is it just a question of one? Well, firstly, we've got to find his best position and just stick by it and just stick him there instead of trying to sort of make him sort of a utility player and jack of all trades because a player of his talent shouldn't be a utility player. But also, how do we sort of go managing you know about managing team and should he have maybe been out on loan by now? It's difficult because we forget that he's only 20. He's about to turn 21. He's a very, very young player. And he also came into the Chelsea team quite young. You know, he made his debut in the 17-18 season when he was still 17. And even then, he wasn't really a regular under Conte, under Saru, even under Lampard. He kind of still got sporadic minutes. And to an extent, I do think a loan would work. You know, now you think about it, it would help his development. But he's seen as such talent as a club. Rated so highly, but of course they wanted to keep him there, keep him in the fold. And I think last season, especially, that was important. And the season before, in Lampard's first season. But now we've got more attacking talents. It is tough where you see him fit in. And we know his best position. It's on the left. It's a left wing. But you've got Mason Mount there. You've got Christian Pulisic there. You've got Timo Werner there. You have so many players competing for that one spot. And Callum hudson deserves better and needs more than League Cup minutes against Morecambe, against Accrington Stanley. He needs to be playing at a high level to develop him. So I you know, I have thought about alone. Where would we send him? And without a risk of losing him as well. I'm sure we could send him to Bayern Munich, but they'd want to snap him up after a year. And of course you want to go to Bayern and be among the stars of the squad and be promised game time. So where do we send him that realistically helps his development but doesn't hinder us? We can't do Bayern Munich or someone like that or Borussia Dortmund because they'll try Bayern we can't do the Premier League because that will go against us, even if he's not playing against us. That will benefit one of our rivals. League aren't not strong enough. Serie A, I'm not sure. Um, the Bundesliga, like we said, their top teams are trying to snap him up. So it's a big dilemma. What do we do with Callum Hudson-Odoi? Because we want to keep him. We want to nurture him. But we're stuck in a dilemma where we either don't play him enough or we let him go out on loan and we risk losing him forever. So... It's a big decision to make. There's not long to go in the transfer window, but we need to act and we need to think what is best for us and what is best for Hudson-Odoi. 
Yeah, look, I don't think Callum will go out on loan this season. I don't, I don't see it happening. You know, nothing has even been touted yet. Obviously, I know stuff could come in late minute, but yeah, it, Callum Hudson Doyle does sort of feel the enigma, sort of. In this, and I kind of said it, and it's not just you know, I've kind of said this season feels big for a couple of players, Christian Pulisic and for Callum Hudson Doyle. Both have had their struggles. Both have also shown high promise, but it does feel sort of like almost a shootout between between them and one of them it does feel like one of them may be off you know sort of in the soon future just because of the other options we've got but obviously you know the recency signing of Timo Werner it is a really really tough one with Callum Hudson I would love to you know come up with a great solution but as Nishal's point out there loan isn't perhaps as easy as as first suggested because you will have a lot of top play- talents going well why should we just help develop your player we you know we want to we want to you know buy him now we want to and you do risk losing him. And we've seen, you know, maybe maybe it just has to be one of those, and albeit not quite the same, but maybe you do just have to say, yeah, we'll sell him and put a buyback in. Maybe sort of similar-ish with Tammy, whereas he's it, but he is, you know, it does sort of feel like right place, wrong time type thing. It, it just does sort of feel a bit similar, that a player of his talent just can't get the opportunities. And there obviously has to be a reason, because this is like the fourth, this would be the f- fourth manager, you know, third if we don't really count 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 Conte because you know that was Hudson Doyle just break onto the scene but multiple different managers you know haven't fully trusted him so there has to be like another reason in his game for that but I just think yeah if if an offer came in for Callum Hudson Doyle and there was a buyback involved I would probably be tempted to say yes just because I'm just thinking what's best for Chelsea and what's best for Callum Hudson Doyle and I know Callum Hudson Doyle is a phenomenal talent and people go like oh you, we could have kept him why are we buying him back for X amount but it just it almost just feels like that's almost like the bet the best solution, but I could sort of find the kind of story because as we point out, is a loan necessarily going to work somewhere else? So yeah, it's really tough. You know, that was a final comment from Demi's. Are you gonna believe us? Are you gonna believe us? Are we gonna, you know, it's good vibes at the moment. Are we gonna win the league? We'll see. I'll answer that, Dean. I'll answer that after Liverpool away next week because that does sort of feel like a real litmus test, as we've discussed earlier. But that wraps it up for this week of that Chess Podcast. We've had some brilliant questions this week. It's just, again, been another brilliant week to be back at the football. Um, Jack is at Anfield next week, I believe. So, again, I have no clue when that pod will be out. Um, but, yeah, uh, before we go, I'll get my our guest, Nishal, to give himself one last plug before we go. So, Nishal, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find all your work. First of all, thank you for having me back on the podcast. Always good to speak with you guys, chat Chelsea, and especially after such a great week. And also good to meet Nick today at, at um, the Emirates. Brilliant to finally get to know each other in real life and be at the Emirates. If you enjoyed what you heard from me today, you can find all of my work on nishosblog.com, articles, videos, podcasts. They're all there for you to enjoy. And you can follow me on Twitter at initial underscore SP. Keep up with all my updates, see what I'm up to and follow all of my work throughout the season as I cover Chelsea and Switzerland. Yeah, now exactly. And you say, make sure you check out all of Nishal's links. They will be in the description below. As for us, we're on Twitter at that Chelsea pod. We're on Insta at that Chelsea pod. Um, on Twitter, as I say, we will be posting, you know, we've just gone past 2K. I think we're quite close to 2.1K on Twitter now. We will be trying to post more sort of content from the ground this year, just to try and get, give people sort of an experience of what it's like. Um, I posted quite a lot of clips from the Arsenal game, on Twitter, so make sure you check us out for that. Um, we're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you like us, leave us a rating and review and uh, tell your mates. At the end of the day, we're all just Chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love. And when, you know, Chelsea get a derby win at the Emirates, life feels pretty good. And when Romelu Lukaku scores, life feels pretty good. 
so yeah it's been a blast and uh we'll see you sometime next week um but yeah until the next episode of Bariki, blue flag flying high sports social podcast network